أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن يمسركم الله if Allah helps you فلا غالب لكم then there is no one who can overcome you if Allah gives you victory no one can overcome you غالب from غين لامبا غلبة to overcome to conquer to gain victory over someone so if Allah is giving you victory no one can prevail you وَإِن يَخْذُلْكُمْ and if he forsakes you يَخْذُلْكُمْ from خَادَ لَامْ خُذْلَان is to to leave someone without help that when someone is expecting your help leave them so if Allah abandons you at the time when you're expecting his help then Allah says فَمَنْ زَلَّذِي then who is that who يَمْصُرُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِي who can help you after him meaning after Allah has abandoned you وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَلْيَتَوَكَّلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ And Allah should the believers rely. Relying upon Allah is a requirement of iman. So what's the lesson in this ayah? That victory comes only from Allah. The defeat at Uhud taught the believers a big lesson. That victory comes only from Allah. We can only be successful at something if Allah helps us. And if Allah does not help us, then we have nothing. And this is a big lesson in life. That no matter what we do, we can only be something, we can only do something if Allah's help is there. And if He abandons us, then we are nothing, we have nothing, we've got nothing. So it is incumbent that a person keeps begging Allah for His help and keeps doing those things which bring the help of Allah and he should avoid those things that deprive him of Allah's help. What deprives a person of Allah's help? We learned earlier, حَتَّى إِذَا فَشِلْتُمْ وَتَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ Right? وَمَا كَانَ لِنَبِيٍّ And it is not possible for a prophet أَن يَغُلْ That he should be unfaithful. That he should be deceitful. يَغُلْ is from the root letters غَيْن لَامْ لَامْ And غَلْ literally means to insert something. When you've inserted something into another, it is hidden. So it also means to conceal. And from this, the word is also used for deceiving someone, acting unfaithfully, because you're concealing the reality from them. So, for example... It is said that in a story we learned that one of the Israeliyat, that Isa once told one of his companions to go and buy some food. So that man, he went and bought three loaves of bread. He was really hungry, so he ate one loaf of bread. He came back with two. Isa asked him, that where is the third loaf? He said, there was no third loaf. So he was lying, he was deceitful. Okay, how? That he hid the reality. Something that he was supposed to give to Isa he did not give. So... Yahul is what? Being treacherous, being deceitful. And especially this is with regards to public treasury, public money. Okay? So, for example, after a war, what happens? The booty was to be collected and then distributed according to the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala amongst the people. So, some people accused the Prophet wasallam, you know, at various occasions that he has been unfaithful that there are some things he has kept for himself. Okay? And in particular, it is said about the archers who left their posts at the battle of Uhud. Why did they leave their posts? Because they wanted a share of the booty. Because they were afraid that if they did not go and get it themselves, then they would not get anything at all. Do you understand what I mean? Like a person thinks that my mom made amazing lasagna, I better go get a piece because otherwise I'm not going to get any. Because you feel, you are afraid that 
other people will have everything and they will not leave anything for you. But a mother who cares for you, okay, for her children, even when her children are at school, at university, out the whole day, what will she do? She will take a serving and put it away for her child. Right? Why? Because she is the mother. The Prophet ﷺ was more loving and caring and affectionate towards the companions than a mother could be towards her children. And it cannot even be expected that he would be unfair in the division of the booty. And besides, the Battle of Badr had already happened. The law had been revealed. Nobody was allowed to go and take whatever they wanted. Before Islam, this was the tradition. That whoever wins, whatever they can find in the battlefield, they can grab it, they can take it. Whoever gets most, finders, keepers. But when Islam came at the Battle of Badr, after that victory, the law was revealed that everything is to be collected, handed over to the Prophet ﷺ, and he would divide it amongst the people fairly according to the law of Allah. So in a way, those people are being reprimanded. That why did you leave your posts? Did you not trust that the Prophet ﷺ would give you a share of the booty that you deserve? Why did you even think like that? It's not possible that a Prophet would be treacherous, that a Prophet would be deceitful. وَمَنْ يَغْلُلْ And whoever is deceitful, يَأْتِي He will come بِمَا غَلَّ With that with which he was deceitful. Meaning whatever he kept to himself, whatever he hid, he concealed, then he will have to bring it when? يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ On the day of judgment. Meaning if a person has stolen from the public treasury, kept something for himself, then he will have to produce that on the day of judgment, bring it along with him. And meaning that it will be like a source of embarrassment for him on that day. So for example, a person goes to a masjid and they see that the slippers in the washroom, very nice, new, good condition. And they say, okay, let me take a couple for my house. And they take a couple for their house. This is what? Stealing from public treasury, right? This is public money. This is not your personal money. If someone says, oh, what nice chairs they have, let me just take one. So comfortable. What nice benches they have, let me take one. How easy it is to work on it. And if a person takes it, it doesn't belong to you. It's not your personal possession. We cannot take it home with us. And if a person does, then he will bring it on the day of judgment with him. Imagine. Imagine bringing it on the day of judgment for everyone to see and be humiliated in front of. The Prophet ﷺ said, By him in whose hand is my life, whoever takes anything from the resources of the zakat, meaning the zakat that has been collected, he will carry it on his neck on the day of judgment. If it be a camel, it will be grunting. If it be a cow, it will be mooing. And if a sheep, it will be bleating. The Prophet then raised his hands till the companion saw the whiteness of his arms. And he said thrice, Oh Allah, haven't I conveyed your message? So whatever it is that a person has stolen from public money, he will have to bring it on the day of judgment. Then every person will be recompensed in full what he has earned. And they will not be treated with injustice. And a person will be recompensed. And there will be no injustice on that day. Umar bin Khattab, he said that during the day of the battle of Khaybar, Several companions of the Messenger of Allah came to him and said, so-and-so died as a martyr, so-and-so died as a martyr. And when they mentioned a certain man that died as a martyr, that they said, oh, he's a shaheed, the Prophet ﷺ said, no, I have seen him in the fire because of a robe that he stole from the booty. I have seen him in the fire because of one piece of cloth, 
a robe that he stole from the booty from something that he did not have any right over so a sheet a hijab an abaya what is it a piece of cloth a garment but because of that a person ends up in the fire of hell and is deprived of the title of shaheed imagine all that sacrifice doesn't mean anything if a person has been treacherous because treachery means a person is not afraid of allah and when a person is not afraid of allah disregards the commands of allah then allah doesn't need his actions at all so وَمَن يَغْلُلْ يَأْتِ بِمَا غَلَّ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Whoever conceals something, then he will bring it on the Day of Judgment with him. And every person will be recompensed in full for what he has done. And no one will be treated with injustice. It is justice. It is indeed fair. And the word غَلَّ غَلَّ is also from the word غِل And غِل is the hatred that is concealed in the heart. The ill feelings that are concealed in the heart. So if a person entertains ill feelings, grudges against people in their heart, how long can they conceal them? Only for some time. In this dunya also they become apparent, but on the day of judgment, the hearts will be exposed. sudur. Whatever is in the hearts will be retrieved. It will be brought forth. A person cannot keep it hidden. So if there's insincerity, negative thoughts about the believers, about the Prophet, about the leader, then such ill feelings, such rancor will also come out. Because when people are working together, then like we discussed earlier, the more you deal with people, the more you suffer abuse at their hands. Sometimes because of their deliberate actions and sometimes accidentally. The Sahaba did not mean to deliberately disobey the Prophet ﷺ. They just misunderstood the command. Or rather they, they did not pay much heed at that time. You think they wanted the Prophet ﷺ to get hurt? You think they wanted that the Muslims should suffer defeat? No, not at all. So it happens that we suffer at the hands of others when we are working with people. And if we don't forgive, if we don't let go, and we keep hatred in our hearts, then you know what? That hatred will come forth. If it doesn't come forth right now, it will come out on the Day of Judgment. Allah will take out the reality of people. And it happens in different situations that the reality is exposed. So what's necessary? That we clean our hearts. If someone's made a mistake, you know what? Forgive them, overlook them. If someone needs help, help them. If someone needs an advice, advise them. If someone needs our opinion, let's be sincere and give them the best suggestion that we can. Let's work together and not against each other. Because what did we learn earlier? That وَاَعْتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا Do not divide up amongst yourselves. Difference of opinion, acceptable. Division, not acceptable. So if we have such feelings that lead to division, then such feelings will come out. They cannot remain concealed forever. So let's purify our hearts for everyone. Let's listen to the recitation. Allah <laughs> 
وَمَا كَانَ لِنَبِيٍّ أَن يَغُلْ وَمَن يَغْلُلْ يَأْتِ بِمَا غَلَّ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ ثُمَّ تُوَفَّى كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَّا كَسَبَتْ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ أَفَمَنِ اتَّبَعَ رِضْوَانَ اللَّهِ So is one who pursues the pleasure of Allah. Kaman, like the one who بَاءَ بِسَخَطٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ who has incurred the wrath of Allah. One is the person who has gone forth to earn what? Allah's pleasure. And the other is the one who stays behind, ending up with the anger of Allah. Allah says, are they the same? Kaman, kaf, over here is of tashbih, kaf. Are they the same? One is the one who goes out in the way of Allah, the other stays behind. Are they the same? No, they're never the same. They're not at all the same. Because the one who follows, who pursues, who seeks the pleasure of Allah, his end will be different from the outcome of the one who stays behind. What's the outcome of the one who stays behind? وَمَأْوَاهُ جَهَنَّمُ And his abode is the hellfire. وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ And how terrible is the destination. We know that some people of Medina, at the battle of Uhud, they went out along with the Prophet ﷺ to fight in the battle. Some of them lost their lives. Others got wounded. Some came back with their hand paralyzed. Another companion came back with his teeth gone. Many companions came back physically injured, wounded. And then on the other hand, there were some people who did go out with the Prophet ﷺ initially, but then they had gone back to Medina. They left the Prophet. And who were they? The Munafiqeen. They were at home. They were safe and sound without any wounds. They did not see battle. They did not see death very closely. And you can imagine someone who has gone to a war, someone who has seen death, someone who has seen blood. He is terrified even inside. He is shaken up. And the other person who is at home, who is comfortable, he's not at that level at all. It seems like the one who stayed at home is far better. But Allah says no. The one who went out, he is higher. And the one who stayed behind, what did he get? Sakhatim min Allah. The word sakhat is from the root letter sin khata. And sakhat is anger. It's basically displeasure and disapproval. When someone does not approve of the action of the one who is lesser than them. So those who stayed behind, they earned the sakhat of Allah, the anger of Allah, and their abode is the hellfire. So these two groups, they are not the same at all. Because apparently it seems that the people who went to Uhud, you know, they suffered so much. You feel pity for them. And the people who stayed behind, they were the lucky ones. No, it's the exact opposite. And this ayah shows to us that someone who goes out in the way of Allah is not like the one who stays behind. They are very different. How different? Allah says, هُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ عِنْدَ Allah. They are of varying degrees in the sight of Allah. Meaning one is high up in his status in the sight of Allah. Who is that? The one who pursues the ridwan of Allah. And the other is the one who is low, very low, very distant in the sight of Allah. And who is that? The one who stays behind, who does not go forth in the way of Allah. هُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ عِنْدَ Allah. 
they are of varying ranks in the sight of Allah. And darajat is a plural of darajah. What is it that determines the ranks of people? It is their actions, it is their efforts, it is their intention. Someone who does not even bother to go, does not even intend to take a step towards Allah. Obviously he is distant. Obviously he is very low in his status. And the one who intends, puts in the effort, goes forth in the way of Allah, yes, he will draw close to Allah and his level will be higher. So remember, every time you do something for Allah, every time you take a step to go closer to Allah, to earn His pleasure, then you are ascending in your level. You are going higher in the sight of Allah. You are going closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this does not come without a cost. What's the cost? What do you have to do? You have to put in the effort. For example, coming on the weekends, is it something easy? Not at all. I still struggle. Me, I struggle. I'm sure you struggle too. I struggle at least. Coming on Saturday morning, coming on Sunday morning, you have to put in the effort. But the fact is that if you don't put in the effort in the way of Allah, then how are you meant to come closer to Him? How are you meant to get higher in His sight? Hum darajatun Allah And are darajat, high ranks in the sight of Allah, are they important? They're very important. Because think about it, in this dunya, we want to be of a higher level. Whatever it is, whether it is in finances or in education, we want to go higher and higher, even in a building. Isn't that so? People want to be in the penthouse. The higher level it is, you know, the more honored you feel, the more exalted you feel. So, هُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ And Allah is watching whatever that they do. Every action of ours, Allah is watching us. And He is the one who assigns the ranks to people. And when He knows what they're doing, He gives them the rank that they deserve. وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ So the fact is that every time a person does something for Allah, his level is higher. And every time a person stays behind, his level is lower. So we see that iman has levels. Iman has levels. And kufr has levels. Even hypocrisy has levels. For example, when it comes to iman, what are the different levels? If there is a person who does dhikr of Allah after salah, he takes time to recite the ayat al-kursi. He takes time to say, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, right? 33 times. Then his level is definitely higher than the one who does not say those adhkar. Do you see what I mean? There is a difference. This is just like if there is a person who works for four hours, his pay will be different than the one who works only two hours. Correct? It will be different. So likewise, when we do something, we are getting higher in the sight of Allah. And when we don't do something, when we leave it out, then we are depriving ourselves. Likewise, hypocrisy, levels. We know from the hadith that there are certain traits of a hypocrite. If a person possesses one of them only, for example, he lies occasionally, then he has a trait of hypocrisy. And if a person has more traits of hypocrisy, for example, he lies occasionally, he also breaks his promises. When he argues with someone, he's very foul in his speech, then his level of hypocrisy is higher. So, هُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ People are of varying degrees in the sight of Allah. وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ 
Certainly Allah has favored on the believers. Notice the word manna. It's from man, meem, noon, noon. And what does that mean? A favor. What kind of a favor? A great favor, a huge favor, not an ordinary one, an unlimited one, unending one. So Allah has shown a huge favor on the believers. And this favor was shown only to who? The believers. There are blessings that Allah bestows to all of mankind, regardless of their belief or unbelief, regardless of the level of their faith. What are some examples of blessings that Allah gives to all people? Health, food, water, wealth, air. Right? There are many blessings that Allah gives to people regardless of their status of belief or unbelief. But then there are some blessings which Allah gives to who? Only the believers. So over here is a blessing that Allah has mentioned and this is given to who? Only the believers. What is that blessing? إِذْبَعْثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا when he has sent in them a messenger, Ba'atha, to send, dispatch, to raise. So he has sent in them a messenger, and this messenger is min anfusihim, from themselves. Meaning he's not a stranger. How is he not a stranger? He's a human being, not an angel, not a jinn. He's a human being. So people can relate with him. And for the Arabs to whom the Prophet ﷺ was sent to, then he was one of them, meaning that he was also an Arab. He spoke their language and he lived amongst them. They were fully aware of him even before his prophethood. So, min anfusihim. What do we see here? That the Prophet ﷺ, his being sent to the people, to mankind, was a huge favor on mankind. Because think about it. If Allah only sent us a book, but no one to explain the book, no one to teach us, no one to hold our hand and guide us, then what would we do? You know, these days, they have booklets that come with, for example, appliances. Right? But in addition to those booklets now, they even send DVDs. Isn't that so? Like for example, somebody I know bought a food processor. And the food processor didn't just come with a big booklet, but it also came with a DVD. And in the DVD, everything was there. How to assemble the machine, how to use it, how to chop, how to do this, how to do that, how to use different, different parts of the machine. And I was like, this has become so much easier now because you can actually see, right? Because sometimes you read, but you don't fully comprehend. But when you see someone doing it, then you can understand. Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ, he was sent with the book. Rather, the book was sent with him. Why? So that he could explain to us, he's a living example of how to do what Allah wants us to do. It's his sunnah that explains the Qur'an to us. So, the Messenger ﷺ, a huge blessing. يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ What did the Messenger do? He recites unto them his verses. Which verses? The Qur'an. وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ And he also purifies them. We have learned the meaning of tilawa. Remember, tilawa includes tilawa lafziyya, the recitation of the words, tilawa ma'nawiyya, the meaning, explanation of the meaning of the words, and also hukmiyya, amaliyya, how to do amal on it. So the Prophet ﷺ recited the Qur'an, conveyed the Qur'an in its fullest form. 
And in the Quran, we learned that لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ The Prophet ﷺ, he was given the book so that he would explain to the people what was revealed to them. So يَتْلُوا عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ But he didn't just convey, he also purified them. He also did their tazkiyah. From زَاي كَافْ يَا or wow. And what does tazkiyah mean? Purification. To get rid of the filth and put good things on it. So for example, if there is a floor that's dirty, you remove the filth first and then you wipe it clean, you know, with something that's fragrant, okay, so that the floor also looks nice. It's actually shiny. It also feels clean. So this is what tazkiyah is. Takhliya and tahliyah. To get rid of the bad and also adorn with the beautiful. So the Prophet ﷺ cleaned the people. How did he clean them? In two ways. In the physical sense and also in the spiritual sense. In the physical sense, the Prophet ﷺ taught us how to keep our bodies clean. How to keep our mouth clean. Till today, miswak, using the miswak to clean the mouth is far more effective and beneficial than using a mere toothbrush and a toothpaste. Really it is. Physical cleanliness. You know, the Prophet ﷺ taught us, before we eat, we wash our hands. After we eat, wash our hands. The Prophet ﷺ taught that after using the washroom, wash the hands. The Prophet ﷺ taught the wudu. He taught that on Friday, every male Muslim must take a bath. You know, once a week is mandatory to take a bath. You have to. And the Prophet ﷺ taught, when a person is in the state of Janaba, then he must take a bath. So, yuzaki him. Physical purification. And just imagine, you know, you go to different places in the Muslim world. But when you meet a Muslim, you are at least comfortable that there is no najasa on them, there is no filth on them. Okay? Their hands are clean at least. But if you come across a non-Muslim, just the other day somebody mentioned to me that, you know, I have seen people, they come out of the washroom, but they don't wash their hands and they walk out of the washroom. So I feel very uncomfortable when I shake hands with non-Muslims. Is it wrong if I wash my hands? I said, you shouldn't assume that their hands are dirty. But if you've seen someone coming out of the washroom, they haven't washed their hands, then okay, you have a reason to doubt. But otherwise, don't just assume that they're dirty. Okay? But we know that a Muslim, he is obligated that after using the washroom, he has to wash his hands. Because that's what the Prophet ﷺ did. That's what he taught. So, yuzaki him. And secondly, tazkiyah also includes spiritual purification. You know, the Prophet ﷺ taught us about the harmful effects of jealousy, of hatred for other people. You know, of hasad, of entertaining ill feelings about other people. He emphasized so much on the cleanliness of the heart, the purification of the heart. You know, thinking good about other people. For example, in the hadith we learn that husnul dhan min husnul ibadah. Thinking positively about others is a beautiful act of worship. So there's so many ahadith which emphasize good character. Lying we see. The Prophet ﷺ, he discouraged that very clearly. So bad akhlaq, he told us to get rid of them. And he replaced them for us with... Good akhlaq. You know, yesterday we learned about the gentleness of the Prophet ﷺ. Gentleness. When he was so gentle, that means we have to be gentle. And a person can only be gentle when they remove ill feelings from their heart. When they remove hatred from their heart. When they develop tolerance. So the Prophet ﷺ purified the people. You know, get rid of shirk. Develop ikhlas. Get rid of riya. Develop sincerity. So all of this the Prophet ﷺ taught, yuzaki him, 
وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابِ And he also taught them the book. He also taught them the book. He also teaches them the book rather. يُعَلِّمُ from تَعْلِيمُ Now earlier, tilawa was mentioned, which is a recitation of the kitab. Over here is the ta'lim of the kitab. What's the difference between tilawa and ta'lim? What's the difference between tilawa and ta'lim? Someone reciting the book to someone and someone teaching the book to someone. What's the difference? That recitation, when a person is reciting the book to someone, they're just conveying the book to them. That this is what Allah has revealed. But when someone is teaching the book, then they're actually explaining the meaning. Okay? So that the other is not just able to memorize and recite, but he's able to understand and apply. So يُعَلِّمُهُمُ kitab, And you can think of it like this. That tilawa, for example, the Prophet ﷺ, he did in larger gatherings. For example, in a khutbah. Okay? Where common people are. Everybody is. But ta'lim he would do in smaller circles. So for example, the Sahaba, you know, many of them, they came, they migrated to Medina. They didn't have families, they were alone. They stayed in the masjid. They learned from the Prophet ﷺ. So he taught them the book. Wal-hikmah and also the wisdom. He didn't just teach the book, but he also taught al-hikmah. And what is hikmah? To place something where it belongs in the way that it should be placed. In the manner that it should be placed. In the correct manner, in the right manner. And the Prophet ﷺ, sunnah, his ways are known as al-hikmah. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ sunnah teaches us that how do we apply the commands that are found in the Qur'an. And that is wisdom. That is wisdom. Like for example, we learned about the leniency, the gentleness of the Prophet ﷺ. Right? Now if you apparently look at the verse, it seems like you should be gentle and lenient, no matter what mistake another person makes, no matter what wrong thing he does, you should be lenient. And this would mean that if someone disobeys, someone does not want to do something, you say, okay, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But is this what leniency is? When you reflect on the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, we see that leniency was not in principle, rather it was in the manner. For example, a young man came to the Prophet ﷺ asking him, allow me to do zina. So you would think leniency is, okay, go ahead. But did the Prophet ﷺ do that? No. He was lenient in the manner that he spoke to him. An ordinary person would start yelling, would be angry, would threaten with punishment, would warn of harmful consequences in this world and the hereafter, would frighten the person. But the Prophet ﷺ, with his gentleness, he explained to the person that would you like it if somebody did it with your sister, with your mother, with your daughter, with your wife? The man said, not at all. And the Prophet ﷺ said, if you don't like it, other people also don't like it for their mothers and sisters and daughters. That somebody should do zina with them. And the man said, okay, I understand. And he didn't do it. So this is hikmah, wisdom. The Prophet ﷺ taught people wisdom. وَإِن كَانُوا مِن قَبْلُ And indeed they were before. Before what? Before the coming of the Messenger. لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ Surely they were in clear error. They were in clear misguidance. So this ayah, what does it illustrate? It explains to us the blessing of the Messenger ﷺ. The context is of the battle of Uhud. And the Muslims, they are being made to realize that okay, you lost the battle. Okay. But think about the huge blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to you. 
And had you truly valued the blessing, had you truly obeyed the Messenger ﷺ, you would not have failed. So they're being reminded of the blessing of the Prophet ﷺ being amongst them. That being their leader, their teacher, their guide. That we see that under his leadership, when they were listening to him, how the Muslims were successful at Badr. They were successful at Uhud even initially. But when they disobeyed, that is when their victory turned into defeat. And even then, did he fire them? Did he reprimand them? Not at all. Rather, he forgave them. He spoke to them so gently. He understood them. I was reflecting that if something goes wrong, okay, let's say you're baking something, and all of a sudden you have to go pick someone up, you know, and you tell your brother or your sister or whoever, please turn the oven off at this time. And you come back and the oven is still on. And your lasagna that you put in so much effort in making is all burnt up. Now yes, there is smoke. The pan is ruined. Okay, there's so much burnt food. The house is smelling. On top of that, you're hungry. Everybody is hungry. Now at this time, what would you do? What do we do typically? We yell, we're like, how could you forget it? And every time, you know, we smell the smoke or we look at the burnt pieces or we look at the destroyed lasagna, we're just like so upset that we keep reminding the other person of the wrong that they have done. But we don't see it that after the battle of Uhud, the Prophet ﷺ making the Sahaba feel bad. No, he did not make them feel bad. He did not. This was his mercy and compassion for the companions. That they're human beings, they can err too. We can forget, so our brother can also forget, our husband can forget, our sister can forget. They're human beings. So leniency is something, gentleness is something that's essential. And we see this in the Prophet ﷺ. And imagine having a leader like that, who is so compassionate and merciful and understanding. You know, like there are some people who point at every mistake of yours and you feel so uncomfortable. And there are other people who embrace you and guide you and teach you. Like I remember when I was in high school, my math teacher, you know, they said that there's no way you will make through your O-levels. I was really bad at it. Like there's no way you can make through it. And when I heard that statement, I was so sad, I can't even tell you. Like I was heartbroken, literally. I remember like my teacher with that expression of, you know, what a failure. What can I do? I can't even help this poor child. And, you know, I could see the frustration on them. But I knew that I wanted to do it. And I went to another teacher somewhere else in another school. And they guided me every step of the way. Literally, I would spend 20 minutes understanding one concept. 20 minutes, half an hour. And I would keep asking. And they would keep answering me, keep explaining to me. And this is how I got through. This is how, alhamdulillah, I didn't just pass, but I got an A grade. So there's some people in authority who put you down, who make you feel like a loser, like you're nothing. You can never succeed. You can never do anything. And there are other leaders who bring about the best in you, who encourage you. So the Prophet ﷺ was a good leader. Someone who brought about the best in the companions. What were they? They were people who would fight one another. On the slightest of things, they would lift up their swords to kill each other. They would plunder. They would loot. Many vices were there. But look at them. They became the most God-fearing people. 
they became the most truthful people. They became the most courageous people, the most obedient people who would be fighters, warriors during the day, putting in so much effort and in the night worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are the ones who fulfill their promises and commitments like no one can ever imagine. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ prepared, you can say, a nursery of heroes. He converted the people into heroes because he was surely a blessing for them. So Allah makes us realize that the Prophet ﷺ, a huge blessing for you. And we might say that, oh, for the Sahaba, what about us? Even for us. But we need to reflect on his seerah on his sunnah, and take lessons from there. Let's listen to the recitation. أَفَمَنِ اتَّبَعَ رِضْوَانَ اللَّهِ كَمَنْ بَاءَ بِسَخَطٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ وَمَأْوَاهُ جَهَنَّمُ وَبِئْسَ الْمَصِيرِ هُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ يَتْلُو عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِهِ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةَ وَإِن كَانُوا مِن قَبْلُ لَفِي ضَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ 